where nobody knows your name is filmed in front of nobody. Hello. And um, welcome. To. Where. Nobody. Knows your name. A Cheers podcast. That We tried something new. We don't know if it works. But... I don't think it did. We won't do it again. <laughs> so welcome back to uh, Where Nobody Knows Your Name. Today we're going to be talking about episode 12, Where There's a Will. <laughs> written by written by Nick Arnold. I think he's a new writer. I think so as well. But I've got to say, one of the best episodes of the season so far. Yeah, it's a really nice episode. I think it had a lot going on in terms of emotions and conflict throughout and... It's quite up, you know, keeps you on the edge of your seat a bit. It was a Christmas episode. Aired on the 22nd of December. 1983. Had that same kind of level of, sort of, the value of money in a kind of Scrooge kind of way, you know? And if we go back to Christmas episode last year, which was The Spy Who Came In For A Cold One, there's similarities. Christmas means millionaires. Right, John. (laughs) Merry Christmas, everyone. That's what they got in common, haven't they? A millionaire comes to chips. They both have money. Christmas means millionaires. The episode starts with the cold open and a bit of a boring cold open, I'd say, but... What what happens in the cold open? Cliff is heading outside, Mm. but it's cold outside, so he wants his jacket. But given it is winter, there'd be lots of jackets. Big old pile of jackets. Heavy coat hanger. Mm. In order to get his jacket, which is at the bottom, they send Carla in to the pile of coats. She dives in. Rummages around and pulls out a nice kind of red fur coat. I, I like to think she kind of went into Narnia. I like to see Carla interacting <laughs> with Mr. Thomas. <laughs> not taking any of his nonsense. Oh, Mr. Thomas would be crying. <laughs> but she finally emerges from, from the coat rack, as you said. A lovely red coat. Lovely red fur coat. Gave a bit of a Santa vibe. And it's like... Carla, this is obviously not Put my... it on or I tear off the clothes you wear. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, God bless you, Carla. So what does happen in this episode, James? This man comes into Cheers. I want to say he's what, in his 60s, early 60s maybe. And he reveals that he's only got a few months to live. He's been diagnosed with cancer, which quite a morbid start to the episode. I think there's quite a nice little line between him and Sam. You thought about getting a second opinion? I mean, doctors do make mistakes. Every doctor I've been to has given me the same diagnosis, and I've been to 12 of the world's leading specialists. And Sam replies... Or maybe you'd get better news if you went to a quack. (laughs) So already they kind of set it up that Sam isn't going to... He's not going to treat this guy like he's an an egg. Yeah. Is that a saying? Yeah. He's not going to walk on eggshells around him. He's going to be kind to him. Be a good... He's going to be a friend to him. Yeah, exactly. So while Sam's talking to uh, Malcolm, Malcolm starts to talk about some of the happiest times in his life. And he reveals that when he was younger, he used to tend bar, and he used to really enjoy that. And Sam kind of says, you know, get get up, you can go behind the bar for a bit. And he's good at the job as well, he does. A little bit of bar wizardry, doesn't he? Yeah. A little bit of bar wizardry, not showing off. He just does a little bit. Uh, lights some things on fire. <laughs> well, the things he's meant to light on fire <laughs> doesn't just go as... That was great, Sam. And now, arson. Coach says um, that they should offer him a job because it would be really good for business to have an old guy behind the bar. Sam goes, I'll think about it, Coach. He was just a really nice guy. And I think we really liked him behind the bar. We really liked how he interacted with customers. I think if Coach and him continued to work together, they would have made a great double act. Best friends. Yeah. Just going to pitch what could have been the Coach and Kramer show. That could have been pretty good. I mean, it could have had a... Catchy name. I mean, I thought that was kind of catchy, but you know, <laughs> <all> right, James. <laughs> but yeah, he interacts really well with all the, the regulars. 
Norm's having a good time. Cliff returns with the coat. He gets on with Malcolm well as well. They're all having a merry time for Christmas. But then Malcolm has to leave because he's got to catch a plane. So the, the episode takes kind of a turn when Malcolm does leave. They find a IOU in the tip jar. Yeah. To whom it may concern, please be advised that herewith I amend my will to provide the following. As a token for their kindness, I leave the sum of $100,000 to the gang at Cheers, signed Malcolm Kramer. What? $100,000? Brings into the title, where there's a will, there's a will. He knows he's dying, uh, and he's decided to donate some money to the people at Cheers, which he's, causes a dilemma. It's not specific enough for some people in the bar. He's left 100000 to the Cheers and the patrons at Cheers. Yeah. But there's a few sort of variables which kick everybody off. One is, is a sprawled note on a napkin... Legitimate. Which Tom, the Cheers lawyer, or aspiring lawyer, yeah. uh, says, in order for a will to be valid according to Massachusetts law, the stipulations must be precise and the document's got to be signed by at least three witnesses, which this isn't. So basically, the, the, the napkin will, not legitimate. So what they do though, is they write up a will and they try and get Malcolm to come back so that he can properly sign it. Uh, they're also fighting over how the money should be divided. Mm. And it all takes quite a sort of... Mm, Almost Christie, Agatha Christie type thing, plotting against each other. Mm, who who deserves it more kind of thing. Yeah. And Diane is like... Oh, you all scum. You did a lovely thing and now you've made it ugly. Malcolm does come back to the bar. Yeah. But the reason he left is not because he got bored. The reason he left was because he had a plane to catch. Yeah, he had to go to the and airport. some selfish people at Cheers were like, let's possibly, you know, risk he's, him not catching his flight. He's got six months left to live, but, you know... He's not getting that flight. Yeah. Don't, I don't like some of the... Yeah. So. Especially Norm. Norm's suddenly like, I was his son. <sighs> Fools and their money, John. So they try to write up a legalised kind of document. Even when Malcolm does come back, they're fighting over who should have more and trying to get more money off him. Yeah, Carla plays the sympathy card. Yeah, you see, what we got here is a real prop. Who gets what? These bozos or... My five precious children. He kind of just says, Sam's in charge of the money. You could tell Sam screaming inside. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? Early in the episode, we see Sam doing a bit of kind of bar tricks, almost like sleight of hand magic early on. Is this unusual for Sam? Has he been, has Harry been teaching him on the side? What tricks did he do? It's like the paper in one hand and, and then it's in the other hand. Oh yeah, and he, he did the match. Yeah. We put a lip match in his mouth. Don't do this at home or in a bar. Just don't don't try it anyway. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I, I didn't actually see that as a connection, but it does set up that he's a bit of a arsonist. <laughs> I'm so glad you added earnest. <laughs> yeah, he's playing with fire. And what happens at the end of the episode? Sam's Sam's in charge of the will. Malcolm's left. He sets fire to it, or so we think. He burns it in front of everyone. Everyone's screaming. Nobody's happy. Sam goes, "That's it. Go to my office." Y'all are terrible people. I don't know. Why he went. I don't know why he went a bit yeah, foghorn leghorn. He went. Y'all all terrible people. <laughs> so after saying y'all all terrible people, he goes to his office. Diane follows him into there, and it's a little bit like um, pick a con any con, yeah. where um, Coach conned everyone in that episode, and he's sort of crying and then laughing. Sam's happy because he didn't actually burn the will. He burned just a piece of paper. Yeah, Diane's horrified. I understood the logic behind why he did it, though. Maybe what he sh- probably should have done was not let anyone have it and then give it to charity, perhaps. Or, you know, just just take stock. Gives you a bit of time to think. Mm. And, you know, rather than 
if if an if an old man gave money to a bar, you'd use it to like keep the bar afloat or refurb or like yeah. First thing we buy plaque in his name. Yeah, there you go. Michael Kramer, get get a little plaque Michael, on the stool. Michael Kramer bought this plaque. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't think of that. They just thought, I've got five kids. Give me the money. So when Diane walks in and finds that Sam actually has the will, she tells him that you know he needs to get rid of it. And he burns it. Or so we think. Or so we think. And she, she walks out. Double bluff. It's like a, a triple bluff at this point. It's like, now you see me, just go, whoa. And um, he burns in front of Diane, and she says, you know, that's a good thing you did. Yeah. This plot is as twisty as a helter-skelter. And then she leaves, and he, and he pulls out the will. <laughs> and she comes back in and goes, uh, she says, I hate myself for what I just thought. No, I won't even say it. I know you didn't, but let me know better. And then Sam goes, come on, do you think that I would really do something like that again after what I just went through? And she went, I'm sorry, of course not. Any person who would do something like that vile would have guilt eating away at his guts for the rest of his life. And then she leaves and he goes, oh, I hate her. I really, really do. I hate her so much. And breaks out the actual world and burns it. (laughs) Or so we think. (laughs) Can't wait till the final episode ever. He's just there with the will, just like... I'm going on that boat. Take that, Diane. <laughs> we haven't talked about who plays Malcolm Kramer. George Gaines. And he seems like quite a well-versed actor. He's done a lot. He was in Tootsie, Police Academy. He was in Rich Man, Poor Man, book two, as Max Vincent. His last film was Just Married in 2003. Which he must have been in his 90s. Mm. He also played Frank Smith in General Hospital. And Henry Wanamont in Punky Booster. Ah, I've heard of that show. (laughs) 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 Do you remember his Police Academy name? Because he was in all of them. Is it Commandant Lassard? Thomas Babson as Tom, the lawyer. Tim Cunningham as Greg. He last appeared in Showdown Part 2 as Chuck, the janitor. It's all these name-changing. Elizabeth Hill played female customer number one. She was also behind the scenes in Taxi as assistant to Frank Daniels, who was one of the creators of Taxi. Jacqueline Castle played female customer number two, and she previously appeared as woman number one in Coach's Daughter. That sounds like a demotion. Yeah. Customer number two from woman number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also appeared in Gloria Miller in House of Cards, the UK version, in 1993. Good, the House of Cards UK version. And there's Alan Coss as well, playing Al. Alan, yeah. As I said, the theme style of the episode, trust, morality, corruption. Greed. Greed, exactly. And mortality. i got bucket lists in there as well. Bucket lists? Yeah. Like uh, <laughs> doing stuff before you die. Uh, yes, yes. I Yes, I imagined a list of... Buckets. Yep, that that was what. That's where it originated from. A list of buckets. Yep. I thought it was. What like you go into Black no, and Decker and you're like, a, I need a polythene bucket. I need a wooden. It's it's before you um before you kick the bucket. That's the door, which means it's only one thing. Cliff Clavin trivia time. That's exactly what it is. Do you want to start? Or ask I can, I can kick off with one, but I know you know the answer because you've already said the answer. Yeah. And I was going to say, what are the final lines in this episode? I hate her, I really, really do. I hate her so much. <laughs> Opening quote is not, Cheers is his film in front of a live studio audience. 
Do you know what it was? No, I can't remember. I think it was one that was meant to be part of the scene. Mm. And it was Cliff saying, yeah, that was my postal supervisor. They need me down at the branch office to help handle the holiday deluge. Which is such a Cliff word. <laughs> it's a great word, though. Now, this episode has a bartender's speciality, which I'm sure will feature in our own specials of the week. But what is it, James? Bartender speciality? Mm-hmm. And it does sound nice. Is it the drink that Malcolm orders from Diane? Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think it's a double hot buttered rum. Hot buttered rum, yeah. It sounds nice. I've never had to hot buttered rum. You know what? Mulled wine, hot buttered rum, white Russian. All of these are quite festive drinks. I'm, I'm finding out what hot buttered rum is. As a byproduct of this podcast, we also deliver cocktail recipes to you every so often. Okay. So it, it is pretty much what I thought. It's a drink mixed containing... Rum, butter, hot water, or cider. And some spices. I imagine it has to be a specific rum. I imagine you're not getting your Tesco everyday value. Um, just dark rum. Dark that's what, rum. That's what this recipe I'm looking at mm. says. Bit of a... Bit, bit of cinnamon. You know what would work well? Captain Morgan spiced. Mm. What are the two rules of cheers, according to Sam? I don't know, James. He tells Malcolm the two rules of cheers are no empty glasses on the bar... And if somebody belches, blame a waitress. Good rules. That's the plaque they need to buy. (laughs) My final question, James. Someone once said life is like a Chinese banquet. But why? It's Diane who said it. And then she rambled on and... Between the Peking duck and the sweet and sour fish, you have to expect some chicken feet soup. So laugh. (laughs) Ha ha. That's what she says. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, James. Why are you laughing, James? Because it's like, you know, the highs and lows. Yeah, Peking duck, that's... Quite nice. That's like top, top tier. That's the last call, James. This was a nice festive episode for as we approach Christmas. How, how do you feel, James? Are you proud of the people of Cheers? No. Okay. <laughs> I, think I, that, I, I really like Malcolm Kramer, though. I think it was a really nice episode. I think Nick Arnold did a good job of writing this it one. did. Good first episode. Good going, Nick. I mean, I'd like to say I'd, I'd, I'd love to see Malcolm come back. It's possible. We'll have to wait and see. What could have been nice is if they had a proper Christmas carol thing, where Tiny Tim and his family, they're all quite poor, they don't have the money. Scrooge has gone, here, Bob Cratchit, no no, no holiday for you, mate. And... <laughs> where are you going with this? <laughs> but then at the end, Scrooge goes, I saw how this Christmas season you were not enjoying yourself because three ghosts bullied me in the night, and I want to make it up to you. So, here's a nice big Christmas dinner. And I thought it would have been really nice if, you know, Cheers hosted something in honour of Malcolm. And then at the end it was like, God bless us, everyone. Well, that would have been lovely. But no. We'll have to wait and see. They only had 20 minutes slot. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to fit in something about, you know, a Christmas novel. Well, in the spirit of Christmas, let's lift our hot bird rum and toast Malcolm and toast Christmas and toast all those at Cheers. As we throw the will onto the fire. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy November. This has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>